Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Melina Benson. In this episode, I talk to Desiree Martinez. We are discussing what it takes to succeed on YouTube and if it plays a role if you are a man or a woman. Desiree is the host of Women of YouTube podcast, an experienced video creator and YouTuber, a speaker, and the owner of allinonesocialmedia.com. Her niche is helping military wives build a business so that they can work and have a career from wherever. One of the things that I love about Desiree is the authenticity with which she shows up. She's a wife, mom, entrepreneur, tea addict, Harry Potter fanatic, and lover of pedicures, and she displays all of those sides of herself. Desiree is one of the most productive video creators that I have come across, consistently answering women's and men's questions using video. In this interview, she shares her very personal experience and how to become value-driven instead of vanity-driven. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Desiree, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to be here. Can't wait to talk. Thank you so much for taking time for doing this. So first, could you just quickly introduce you? And who, are, who is Desiree? <laughs> uh, I like to think of myself as an energetic video creator, a podcaster, and a social media marketer for the past 10 years. I am also a mom, a wife, and a really big Harry Potter junkie. A Harry Potter junkie? I didn't know that about you. I mean, I kind of like use this like my personal identifier. I feel like it's important to know like what I do, but being able to really connect with people in like personal fun ways, like being mom, a wife. I talk about being a tea addict, a Harry Potter junkie. I'm a, I'm a proud Slytherin, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, it kind of just the, the quirky things about people that allows you to connect with them and like build that, that trust with them because they're not just some, you know, nameless faces brand. They're actually like a living, breathing person with a personality and fun things to say. <laughs> okay, I'm going to come back to that. Uh, but first, how did you start your business and why? Why did you yes. start your business? So I actually started becoming a social media marketer uh, sort of out of necessity. I, I was one of those people that was hit really hard by the recession back in 2008. And I was really struggling to try and figure out like what I was going to do to make money as a new college graduate. And I was networking in my local community to just try and like scrape by some like freelance work. And people, adults, because they were definitely more adults than me at the time, were like, what's this Facebook thing? And I had been on Facebook for years because I had gotten it when you could only get on with a college email. And so I just started teaching these grownups in my eyes, grownups, who uh, wanted to grow their businesses and build something with Facebook. I was teaching them how to do it. And one day someone was like, Desiree, this is what you should be doing for a business. And I was like, no one's going to pay me to be on Facebook. That's so silly. And I literally eat those words every day because that's exactly what I've been doing for the past 10 plus years. And so um, I was doing that for a very long time. I uh, built up a really good reputation for it. Um, I got married and my husband went to the Air Force and I was becoming a mom. And I was just going to naturally let my freelance work that I was doing kind of just like go to the wayside and focus on my my new career, which was motherhood. But 
One of the things that happen when you become a military spouse is you get stationed in places against your will all over the country. And the ba- the the town that we were stationed in didn't really like to hire military spouses. And I remember being a military kid and my mom actually having to go from um, Okinawa, Japan, back to the United States to stay with her dad so that she could get a job to help supplement my family's income when I was a kid. And I was like, how are we still having this problem 25 years later with military spouses not being able to get work? And so I decided to start my own agency where we help military spouses to work as social media managers while helping businesses grow with better social media and content marketing with our do it for you social media marketing services. And I've been doing that since September of 2015. And um, it has been a crazy ride um, and helped dozens of military spouses with learning a marketable skill. Some of them have moved on to um, bigger social media marketing opportunities. And many of them have um, stayed on my team and been able to find the work-life balance that they have um, so desperately needed that's customized to the needs of military life. What does your business look like today then? So today we doing the exact same thing. Like we focus on our do it for you services with a script subscription model where you sign up for a package based on the needs that you have for your brand and your budget and um, our teams all over the world. And they're able to, we, they, we have a really efficient system for training and making sure everyone knows what's going on, what they should be doing for the clients. And it works pretty seamlessly. So you started with Facebook and how, why YouTube then? When did you make that switch? So YouTube is how I market my business. Like that's my marketing tool. But um, I talk about social media content marketing twice a week on my YouTube channel. And the reason this is important to me is because there's so much to know how to do in social media and it's ever changing. So I'm just trying to educate people and solve their problems and getting them into my sphere of um, of knowledge on a regular basis so that eventually they kind of realize this is a lot of work. I'm just going to have her do it for me. And so that's what I do. Now we do have some clients that we do do YouTube management for, but mostly what we focus on is the do it for you social media marketing services. And so I got into YouTube. Um, I started my channel back in August of 2017 and it was because military life we got orders to move to south korea and i was like if i have this agency that's helping these women if i stop working if i stop growing this business they stop getting money and so i was like well i have to find a way to keep um teaching and growing and networking my brand even if i'm on the other side of the world and i found youtube and youtube solved that problem for me okay and i suppose you fell in love with youtube for women <laughs> so much that you also have a podcast, right? Yeah. So my my podcast is called The Women of YouTube, and it's where we are telling the stories of women YouTubers to inspire other women to start creating on YouTube. The people, when you look at the demographics of users of YouTube, it's pretty split 50-50 between men and women. However, women only dominate 10% of the categories on YouTube, and it's all around health and fitness, beauty, and um like uh fashion that was the other one and while those are really great topics that women you know historically have dominated in there are so many other women in different niches 
at different categories that are just like not getting the attention that they deserve. And so I'm shining a light on them too, that they can be seen by new people to join their community. But also there are so many women out there that have so much genius to share that they're not. And so I feel like if I can find someone for every woman to inspire them, then they can start sharing on YouTube and, and helping other people. Cause I truly feel that it's our moral obligation as women and people who know, know things and have experienced things to help other people. And I think that YouTube is a great place for that. Cause people are always searching for the answers to their problems. And YouTube is the greatest way for them to get an answer. Yeah. Totally agree on that. Why do you think that there are fewer women in these other categories? Uh, I think that it's just, um, it's a, that's a very complicated question because I think that there are a lot of them that are in there. I just don't think that they are featured as well. Um, a lot of what makes YouTube work is their algorithm, right? And so it's a lot of like, okay, what are our users watching? What are people engaging with the most? And, and the people that get pushed to the top are predominantly men. And I think that it's just because it's just how it still is. Like no matter how hard we try as women, men still have a dominating effect over media and entertainment and what's going on. And while we are making strides like never before, not only as women, but also as people who are minorities and different communities and, and races to stand out, it's just one of those situations where it's like we just have to keep showing up to show the algorithm that there is a different way and that there are other ways to do it. And I think one of the things that really happens is you get into bro culture, at least in the United States, and bro culture is just super dominating. And it's just one of those things that like it makes it a little harder to stand out when you have so many like I I personally feel like when you have men together one on one, like they're much they're so different than how they are when you get them into a group. Same with women. When women are one-on-one, we're one way, but when we get into a group, we tend to be more open, more emotional, more sharing, more supportive. And men tend to be, when they get together, they tend to be much more goofy. They tend to be much more loud and rambunctious. And it becomes this like back and forth, uh, trying to overshadow the other one with what they know, what their genius is. And there's nothing wrong with either way about going about it, but there is a certain person for each type of category. And when you have a more dominating group, the other one can get shadowed over. We run into this with women, though, in our categories as well. Like when it comes to fashion, when it comes to beauty, when it comes to health and fitness, there are so many more women in those spaces than men. And so it's harder for men to stand out and um, find a place there. We all have like our favorite people that are like obviously like the token, the token guy in the space. Like there's, you know, when it comes to beauty and when it comes to health and fitness and it comes to fashion, but it's not an even playing field. So they're fighting that battle on the other side of that. And I think it's just because we're still trying to figure out how to diversify and how to culturally and societally be okay with being everywhere. When somebody is looking for an answer on YouTube, male or female, and a list of possible answers, videos are showing up. Would a woman be uh, primarily picking to watch a, a male video or a female video? I think that it's really about like what you connect with and what 
Well, first of all, whenever you're searching for something, you're basically relying on what the algorithm is going to deliver to you, right? So you're going to have your thumbnails, you're going to have your titles, and depending on who taught it, what that subject is, what that niche is, will, will be what shows up first. And then I also think that people relate to people that they can see themselves in or that they can, they find interesting or funny or relatable or like they have that, that connection. And when you can build a connection with somebody, if you have five people teaching the exact same thing, you want to find that one person that speaks to you the best. And that's why I think it's important for women and men to have representation in all areas. That way they can, whoever is looking for the answer can find someone to give give their voice um, some validity. Are women more reluctant to go on camera and create videos also? Absolutely. Women, we, um, so many of us have grown up with so much like self-hate talk, I guess for lack of a better way to say it where they they put a lot of like emphasis on things that aren't what, and that's what stops them from being on camera. And so like, you can be like, Oh, I don't like how I look. I don't like how I sound. I don't have this tech. I don't have this. Who's going to listen to me? All that kind of stuff. A lot of people get wrapped up in things that are vanity driven and it stops them from doing what they need to do when it's really their excuses are, basically just their own insecurity is stopping them from doing what can be the best thing that they do for their business or their brand or for their income because they are getting hung up on things that, you know, I don't want to say they don't matter because, you know, how you feel about yourself does matter because it'll come across in your videos. But what really matters is like what you have to say and how you're presenting that information. There really is a place for every kind of person on YouTube. I am a plus size woman who talks too fast and I have so much sass. It's crazy. And I get plenty of comments on people are on my, my channel where they where things are like, go back to the kitchen and make me a pie. Why are you so big girl? You talk too fast. Like, and I'm like, you know what? Those people are not my people. And I can't dwell on those few people who are saying horrible things that are, that really mean nothing when it should, when they should be uh, judging, listening, or appreciating the information I'm giving to them for free, I might add. So it's just kind of figuring out what that balance is. And I think that women um, just have so much self doubt in themselves and why they don't do things in general that that's what stops them from being on camera. Yeah, I remember when I first started out, the top three women that I was following, it looked like TV shows, very professionally designed TV shows. And it made me feel that I'm never going to be able to do that. I would need a camera crew and oh, <laughs> it gets slimmer first and all of that stuff. <laughs> What do you say to people who feel like that? I think that we're in a, I think what's so interesting about what we're going through right now with the coronavirus is that um, so many things are having to be adapted to what we're dealing with. And my favorite examples of this is all the late night shows. So while all the late night shows are mainly men, um, they're all having to go um, work remotely from home. They're recording from home. And when you look at like everyone's first week on YouTube, it is so rough. 
And you can really tell that these guys are not YouTubers. They are not techie guys. They are not people that touch the camera. They literally are just talent. And that and that goes a long way, right? But you can slowly see kind of like week to week, day to day, that they get better and better. And like, okay, I'm upgrading my, all right, I'm going to get that camera, that better camera. I'm going to get a tripod. I'm going to set this up. I'm going to get this light here. And you can see how it gets better. And we're seeing it happen much more exponentially. I loved because yesterday <laughs> I watched this video with Stephen Colbert was interviewing Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe plays Harry Potter in the movies. And they could not get Daniel Radcliffe's audio to work. And they end up having to do their interview with the phone call. So they're using Zoom, right? It's very obvious they're using Zoom. And they have to call into Zoom to record this interview. And it's just like, it's so interesting. And that's what I think proving the point that if you have something good to say and you can make great content, the tech doesn't matter as much as doing it and getting better along the way. If you go look at every single quote unquote like professionally done YouTube channel and look at their first videos, they're rough. They all are. Mine are rough. It is a rite of passage as a YouTube creator to create bad videos and continuing to get better and make better and better quality stuff. As a hypothesis, when you are brand new and you're not a big name yet, maybe you need to be even more rough around the edges for people to be able to relate to you. Because there's no there's no established brand to relate to yet. No, absolutely. Like everyone when everyone starts out, they're rough. And every single thing that you do, the first time you do something, you suck. The first time you bake something, you suck. The first time that you do math, you suck. The first time you go to open your business, you suck. The first time you ever dive into like think about your freshman year of high school, freshman year of college. Like the first time you did anything, you sucked. And you had to suck to get better. And it's just one of those things that you just have to get out of your own way. The thing that truly is disappointing is that when you suck and you stop, when in fact you need to suck, learn, and improve. And so it's just one of those things that's like you have to be able to be critical of yourself in a constructive way versus in a superficial way so that you're able to get the focus on the things like what the greater purpose of what you're doing is, which is building connections with people through no like and trust by making eye contact and showing up for them to answer their questions. How do you become interesting when you're creating your videos? Um, I don't think it's something you try. I just think it's something that you are. Like, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. Like, I'm not saying that there isn't some talent required in what you're doing. And you can t learn how to do these things. Like you can learn to, um, like by doing speaking classes. I always tell people, this is why I tell every single person, that's like, how do I get better at recording YouTube videos? And I tell them, go take improv classes. Like go find your local um, comedy center. And they will, they do like six, eight week, just weekly programs. You show up, you learn how to improv. And it's about thinking on your feet. Um, which is the biggest thing. Like it's not about being funny. Being funny is a bonus, but it's thinking on your feet. I And I think the other thing that you do to improve is you have to realize that you're not talking to a camera. You're talking to a person. You're talking to somebody. When I'm recording my videos, I am talking to two people. 
One, I'm talking to my editor, Alan, because he has to deal with what I'm saying. And I'm trying to think through like if we're having a conversation about what I need to do and I apologize to him for things or I make silly faces at him or whatever. And then I talk to my avatar. My avatar is named Crystal. Crystal runs a business um, that she works in and she's trying to find new ways to make her business better. And that's what's leading her to my videos. And um, she's trying to solve specific problems to it, but she's also always on the hunt for improvement, but she usually doesn't have time to do it herself. And that's when she turns to me to help her. And so I'm talking to Crystal and Alan every single time I'm recording my videos. That way I'm not just like staring awkwardly at a camera and feeling like I'm just talking to myself by adding that, like that little quirk about it, it helps me improve. So for ways to improve what you're doing and get better, I would encourage you to take an improv class once you're allowed to leave your house again and um, figure out who your perfect person that you can talk to when you're staring at that camera alone in your bedroom. Is there some kind of structure you follow on your videos? Like how do you begin your videos? How do you grab the attention immediately? Okay, so actually what I do before I do anything with recording that recording my videos is actually the easiest part of the process. And most people, it's the hardest part, they think, because they're so stuck in their heads about how they look, what to say, and all that stuff. Most of the work for me with my videos is actually done um, before and after my videos. And so before I do my videos, I have an idea of like what topic I want to talk about, but I want to make sure that I very narrow in on what I'm talking about with my title. So I go to YouTube and I set up with TubeBuddy, which is your best friend to helping your videos perform better on YouTube. That way you're not just talking to nothingness. And um, I go in and I plan out my keywords. I put together my title. I have my description. I bullet point out what I need to talk about um, for my videos. That way I can kind of have some structure to what I want to say, give myself a dedicated flow and, and make sure all of the thoughts I have in my head get said in the video. Um, and then I also, and then, so then when I go to actually record my videos, I have like a three, uh, a five, five, maybe six process. I always start my video out by saying why they're here. And then, um, and that's based on my title. It's like, you're here because of this, or I have something where it's like, if let's say I'm answering the question of like, how to create videos without showing your face. And it could be like, for whatever reason, you need to do videos without showing your face. This is a totally legitimate reason. What's more important is that you create those videos and get started now. So in this video, I'm going to show with you five tips on how you can do this yourself. Okay, so it's just like really like getting that statement and in seven to 10 seconds because I don't have long to hold their attention. Now, a lot of depending on what the data is, you can have an introduction and these are going to be like nice video graphics or whatever. I decided after looking at my analytics to pull mine out. And so I don't have an introduction for my videos because I was noticing I was getting a really big drop in retention. And so I dive into who I am, give them the call to action, which is to subscribe to my channel and why they should be, why they're there. And then I go into, this is the bonus part. Sometimes I have this and sometimes I don't. And this is what I'm trying to get them onto my email list by giving them more value by usually in like a freebie, like a checklist or a how-to guide or, or graphics or something like that. And then I dive into the meat and that's when I'm using my notes. I'm taking noticeable pauses in between each thought I'm trying to make. That way I can gather my thoughts. Um, and then I always end my videos kind of abruptly. Like I don't make it obvious that I'm ending my videos. 
I always call attention to a video that's an extension of what I'm talking about or that can lead them into next things. I want people watching more of my videos. And then I just end it. And I'm like, until next time, I'll see you soon. And it's done. If like people sense the end of the video, they're just going to peace out. Like they're not going to finish it. Yeah, I guess that's also what the YouTube platform wants. They want you to keep people on the platform and they yep. reward you for doing that. But it's interesting that you say that if you have an go-off platform call to action, you would take that actually pretty soon in the beginning. Yeah, um, some people do different things at different times. Like it's really just about like testing things out and um, looking at your analytics and seeing what's converting best and what is it. Mm, okay. So before we uh, we wrap this up, I want to talk to you about the human side of it. So what do you do in your business to build connections with people? Well, for me, so much of my life is online. Um, I I do network a lot. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. I public speak a lot when the world is not in a pandemic. Um, and so like that's how I build connections with people. I have been fortunate enough to live a very blessed life. And I have a natural ability to chameleon my well, my way into different spaces to adapt to the conversations and what people are saying. Um, and I get to draw from my unique life experience to relate to people. But what I'm trying to do when it comes to my business, though, my mission is incredibly relatable to people because social media people are kind of a dime a dozen nowadays. But I have two things going for me where I've been doing this for over 10 years specifically just doing social media marketing. And I also have a mission-driven business where I put military spouses to work. Usually the moment I tell people about the mission, like everything about their demeanor and their facial expression changes because in the United States especially, it's such a relatable piece. So many people um, have been military spouses. They have been military. They have family that have been military. And so they understand like the struggle and, and the benefit of it. And so they're more apt to work with me than somebody else because of that relatability. Um, and so when it comes to the human element of it, it's really just about giving value at the same time. So my mission helps, my life experience helps, and then just giving value. I'm always about helping people. Um, my husband says I help people probably a little too, too much, and I have more faith in humanity than I should. But I just want to help people be successful in any way that I can. And so that's why my YouTube channel and my podcast is so important to me because I'm just trying to give value and help people any way that I can. So what would be your number one tip for a solopreneur or a, a couplepreneurs maybe who are recently starting out and uh, trying to get their sales going? Where should they start? The best thing that you can do when getting started with sales and growth and building your brand is you need to just educate people. Like you need to be giving value to people every chance you can. And you need to not worry about repeating yourself or um, any of that kind of stuff. Givers gain is a very popular statement and in my world anyway. And when you can give to people and help them, you will get it back in return because you're going to be positioning yourself as the expert and the trusted resource for others. So there's an element of patience here as well. Oh, yeah. No, nothing is going to happen fast at all. I'm like, I'm 10 years deep in this and I'm, I'm still going and it's, I'm still giving every chance I can. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Desiree, for taking your time for doing this interview. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
Talk to you soon. No problem. Later. So that was the interview with Desiree Martinez. If you feel you could use some inspiration on how to show up on video, I suggest to subscribe to the Women of YouTube podcast and to Desiree's YouTube channel. You'll find all the links you need for that in the show notes. So the next episode is a solo episode. While the interviews need some more time to fully unfold in a valuable way, the solo episodes are often shorter and more actionable. Since today was all about video, I decided to continue down that lane, sharing genius ways to get the most out of your videos. If you enjoyed the show, please help me get it out to more entrepreneurs and small business owners by rating the show and writing a review. So here's what you need to do. Open up the show on your smartphone and then scroll down past the four to five episodes that are displayed. You will then see a space called ratings and reviews. All you need to do is to tap how many stars you want to give. Hopefully that's five. And if you have two more minutes, hit write a review and let me know what you love. This show is yours as much as mine and we're in this together. I'd love to hear what you're up to and what you would like to hear on this show. Head over to Marketing Make Human Facebook group and introduce yourself. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.